Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. All right, how many of you uh, follow our church's Facebook page? Some, that's good. So I'm counting on all of you to lead the charge this morning because I gave you guys a few days notice. I don't know if you saw it or not, but on our church's Facebook page, I I put a, a post saying, come to church ready to share about a time when someone encouraged you to do something that you normally would not have done on your own. Okay, I'm going to say that again. So those of you who are hearing this for the first time, what we want to do for just a couple minutes here at the beginning of this message is share about a time when someone encouraged you to do something that you likely would not have done on your own. Anyone have a story about a time in your life when someone was spurring you on or encouraging you and you actually went through with something and you kind of look back and said, whoa, I can't believe I did that. I probably wouldn't have done that. Unless this person encouraged me to. Can anyone think of a time like that in their life? Melissa. Uh, School developers. Hmm. I want to say five years ago, um, my friend Esther encouraged me to apply for the job in Wolford as an art teacher, and I just doubted myself. Awesome. I had no idea that you were an art teacher for three years. That's incredible. I'm not surprised, but yeah, that's, that's great. Okay, sorry, for those of you at home, yeah, let's give God praise for that. That's great stuff. For those of you at home, sorry we didn't have a mic. I'll get one. But Melissa was just saying how uh, a friend encouraged her to apply for a job being an art teacher. She doubted herself. She got the job and, and was an art teacher for three years. Wonderful, wonderful. Luce, would you handle this this time? Thanks. Anyone else? We looking for more stories of when, when people have encouraged us and we stepped out and tried something maybe that was a little scary. Anyone else? I have one. All right, bring the mic over there. Thank you. I think... Ron, do you mind turning this mic on for us? Thank you. I don't care if it's on. I can't you can stay off. Um, I think... Time to Revive was a thing for me. I was way out of my comfort zone to go around um, and, you know, just what we did at times, you know, pray for people. And it was, it, yeah. Cool. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? Any other stories? Has anyone else been encouraged? Adriana? Here, use, use that microphone so the people who are listening online, then they can hear too. Uh, one of my friends, they told me that like they wanted to pray with me, and I was kind of scared to pray, so they told me to do it, and when I did it, it was actually pretty nice. Very cool. That's awesome. I really liked it. Yeah, it's good when our friends encourage us to pray, right? Cool. Way to go. Thank you. One more, maybe? Okay, I'll be the one. 
Thanks, Lucy. You just press that button. Thank you. Okay. I believe, just even from these stories that we've heard, that, that encouragement holds power, doesn't it? Would you agree with that, friends? Yeah, like, if, if, if all it takes is someone else speaking into us, encouraging us to do something, and that's what puts us over the edge in order to, to try something that we normally would have been fearful or hesitant or dismissing our abilities to handle that, and that encouragement pushed us over the edge to do it, clearly, encouragement is a powerful thing. I believe, in, in fact, that encouragement is so powerful that it can change the trajectory of someone's life. And that's exactly what happened for me. So my own story of encouragement comes from 2009. I had been emceeing. I've, I've told this story before, but it still is, is just so perfect for this moment. I had been emceeing my sister-in-law's wedding. And all I was doing was calling table numbers for the buffet line so that people could go and get their food and stuff like that. But my wife, Karen's pastor from the church that she grew up in, he was there and he heard me calling table numbers for the buffet line. And about three weeks, a few weeks later, he sent me an email saying, Jeff, have you ever considered getting into pastoral ministry? And I thought, well, if it's that easy, yeah, of course I'll do that. No, I, I, I thought, I thought to myself, I had thought of it. But three years prior to that, in 2006, I thought that I was supposed to get into pastoral ministry. I applied for the job at my church. I think they politely said, oh, this is Jeff's resume. That's really cute. And they just kind of put it over there and, and dismissed it. And I just, I thought I had totally read God's path for my life wrong. And I dismissed it. And I thought there is no way a guy like me will ever stick his neck out there again. Because clearly, I am not qualified to be a pastor. But it was amazing. When he sent me this email, he knew that I had volunteered in my youth group and Winkler, and he saw me at this wedding. He says, Jeff, I saw something in you. I think you should consider this. I think you should pray about it. And that email, that's all it took. It just lit a fire in my heart where I thought to myself, Lord, is this dream that I had, is this not dead? Is there something to this that I should be considering? And it was, it was a little less than a year later that we were moving to Winnipeg to start a job as a youth pastor at a church. Like it changed our lives. If, if Ramsey Unruh, was, he was a pastor at this church, if he didn't send me that email, I guarantee I would not be standing before you on this platform today. Like that kind of encouragement changed my life. It was amazing. I loved it. So I think that, yeah, encouragement, because it is so powerful and something that we, that a, a powerful practice, we shouldn't be at all surprised that when we look at the Bible, God commands us to be encouraging. We are commanded by God to encourage each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Just one example of this command to encourage is found in Hebrews 3, verse 13. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love this, daily. Uh, it's, it's something that is meant to happen frequently because we're guarding against being uh, taken away or hardened or, or stymied from serving God because of sin creeping up in our lives. So we know that, yes, the Bible says we're supposed to encourage, but really, we need to ask the question, what is encouragement? Because we, it's, it's so easy to get it mixed up with things that are not actually encouraging, okay? So encouragement is not being good at doling out 
compliments, right? So I could say to you, hey, nice haircut, or your garden is beautiful, or hey, sweet rims on your truck, man. Like all that stuff that's nice to say, it's complimentary, but that is not encouragement. As good as it is to say those things, that's not what God has in mind when we read in the scriptures to encourage one another daily. Biblical encouragement is shared with the intentions of lifting someone's heart so that they hope more greatly in the Lord. I'm going to say that again. I know it's on the screen, but I'm going to say it again because this is important. If we don't get this, the rest of this whole thing is going to be lost on us. Biblical encouragement is shared with the intentions of lifting someone's heart so that they hope more greatly in the Lord. Encouragement reminds people of the promises of God. It helps them to see that God is active in their lives and he loves them. Encouragement always points people to Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I think of encouragement kind of like a renovation project on someone's heart. Okay? It's meant to build up, strengthen, or improve a person's hope in Jesus. Encouragement is all about inspiring a deeper desire for Jesus within a person. When I'm trying to encourage someone, I like to ask myself, is what I'm about to say going to make this person hold on tighter to Jesus, or is it just going to make them feel good? Because there's a difference, right? Holding on to Jesus sometimes is... Is a, is a scary step of faith because it's something we haven't done. It doesn't always feel good because we have to leave things that we were trusting in and we need to turn to Jesus who we should be trusting in. So making someone feel good isn't the goal necessarily of encouragement, as odd as that may sound, but it's actually to turn them to Jesus so that their eyes will be focused on him. And when they're encouraged to look at Jesus, that's when goodness starts to be felt in their lives. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference there. The word encouragement means to admonish, urge, or remind. So when encouragement urges us to do, or so encouragement is supposed to urge us to do the will of God. It's supposed to remind us of the promises of God or admonish us to seek God. So when we're asking the question, what is encouragement? That's what it's about. It's about pointing people back to Jesus all the time, every time, consistently. That's the goal of encouragement. I love what Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day, capital D for day, is the day of Christ's return. As we are being prepared all the more to have Christ come back as our victorious triumphant king, we need to be preparing for that day. That's also the purpose of encouragement, right? As believers in Jesus, we should naturally spur each other on to live as Jesus has taught us to live, to be loving, demonstrate good deeds, and keep meeting together to worship as a church. This are, are, these are examples of biblical encouragement, spurring someone on to or positively provoking them to live and love as Christ has taught us to live and love. You know, often on Sunday mornings, we 
we find ourselves in a, in a message or a, or a text that wants to take us back to the very essentials of what it means to be a follower of God. And then we look at the greatest commandment that Jesus reaffirmed in Scripture, right? And that, that commandment is, is this. I'm, I'm reading it from Mark this time. Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I think, I think these verses offer us a clue to what biblical encouragement is. Just think this through with me and I'm going to see what you have to say about this in a minute. If a Christian's purpose is to love the Lord, heart, soul, mind, and strength... Isn't that exactly how we should be encouraging each other to love Jesus in these ways? Wouldn't that be the basis or the focus of all encouragement to help people love Jesus in the way we're commanded to? And if our encouragement doesn't point someone in that direction, maybe we're missing the mark. Man, and I always thought when I told people nice haircut, they were going to love Jesus more because I said that. No, that's not how it works. Not at all. I think actually we love our neighbor the best. The second part of this commandment, we love our neighbor the best when we encourage them to love Jesus the way we're commanded to, right? Isn't that the greatest act of love pointing someone towards Jesus? I believe biblical encouragement is building up someone's heart so that they love God with sincerity, building up someone's soul so that they love God with deep affection, not just with a religious ritualistic mindset. Encouraging or building up someone's mind so that they love God and what they desire and what they're seeking to get out of life. And we encourage and build them up in their strength so that they love God with the abilities that they have. The more I thought about this this week, the more I sensed in my spirit that this is exactly what in biblical encouragement is meant to strive for. But I honestly want to hear some feedback from you because this is something I'd never connected the dots in this way before. But what do you think? Does this idea of encouraging people in line with this great commandment, does this make sense to you? What do you think? Donovan, I'm going to pick on you. You're nodding, man. You're nodding. Why does this make sense to you? Why shouldn't it be something else? Isn't there a greater focus that we should be thinking about? Encouraging people. I think that just uh, telling people about the Lord kind of encourage. Well, when you explain to them how what God has done for you, it encourages you saying it, but also encourages them. You know, especially if they've known you prior. Yeah. And they've seen the change in your life and wonder there's something different about this guy. Bingo. Or whatever. You know, I. I that's how I've always witnessed, you know, hmm. and stuff is based on what God's done in my life. And it's just like, you know, he's done this. And, and by you being so excited and, and passionate, that's it. They can feel that. Yeah. You know? I agree. Yeah. When, when you love people like that, you, you can't help but testify. And they get to hear about God through what he's done in your life. Makes total sense. Anyone else, like, anyone else agree with this? Or maybe, maybe there's something else we're not thinking of. I'm open to hearing other thoughts. Karen. I agree with this because this is the basic. This is what we want for everybody. And um, this is what the Lord wants and requires. I, I pray this over my grandchildren because hmm. this is what I want for them. It's, it's the most. Yeah. And if we're burdened for other people, this is what we can show them and offer them. Yeah. 
I agree. I, I, think, I think that, yeah, the, the basics or the foundational pieces, sometimes we think, oh, I'm supposed to move beyond these things, but we're never supposed to move beyond being excellent at loving Jesus ourselves and, and encouraging other people to do the same. So, yeah, thank you for those comments, guys. Really appreciate that. So now that we kind of have looked at what biblical encouragement is, um, we need to ask the next question, why do we need it? Why do we need this encouragement? Because if we're supposed to do this, if we're commanded to encourage one another, there's got to be a reason behind it, right? Well, Jesus calls us to encourage each other because he knows that we need it. He knows what it's like to live here on earth. Jesus himself said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, trouble, right? But take heart because I have overcome the world. So we need encouragement because as Christians, we are all going to face trouble in this world. The human race, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe you watch the news occasionally, the human race is broken. It is desperately in need of healing and completeness and wholeness that we can only find in Jesus. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, like absolutely. Our world is in tatters. Sin is everywhere. Sin drags us down to live opposite of what God's will is for our lives. Sin drags us to live for self rather than for the kingdom that we have realized is so crucial for the life of a Christian. We need encouragement to stay the course with Jesus because trouble, suffering, hardships, and trials are going to keep pulling us away from him as long as we live on this earth. Therefore, we need more encouragement all the time. Hebrews 12 verse 3 says... So keep your mind on Jesus, who put up with many insults, his own trouble from sinners. Then you won't get discouraged and give up. Isn't that a scary thought? That we can become so discouraged, we have such a lack of encouragement, that we can actually give up in our faith and just say, I don't think it's worth it. That's a terrifying thought to me. Because I don't want someone in my church or in my community to give up on their faith because I haven't been encouraging them. Because I haven't been following God's command to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. See, there's a reason for it. People's faith is on the line. And that's why we talk about encouragement. The writer of Hebrews understood this. And that's why he put this in there. People are walking away from faith because they're so discouraged. When someone encourages me in a biblical way, my heart and my mind are turned back to the strength that I can only find in Jesus Christ. That strength helps me to keep going even when things aren't easy, especially when things aren't easy. When our heart is fixed on Jesus, our perspective is eternal and hopeful rather than short-sighted and hopeless. Encouraging each other as a church is always the goal. If we encourage each other by, to, to keep trusting in Jesus daily, I believe that we will all hear one day something similar to what Jesus said to the Ephesian church in Revelation 2 verse 3. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Don't you want to hear that from Jesus when you enter glory? It's like you didn't give up. Man, There were many people before you that faced things similar and they tossed it all out the window. But you didn't give up. You persevered and you kept going even when it was hard. Because of that, I'm so proud of you. Well done, good and faithful servant, right? Like that's the kind of thing I want to hear from my Jesus on the day when I meet him in eternity. I think it's going to be just brilliant. 
So we know what biblical encouragement is. We know why we need it. But now the question, and we're going to get real practical here, is how do we encourage effectively? How do we actually do this? Because we've talked about the, the standard. It points people to Jesus. And we've talked about why we need it. Because if we, if we aren't being pointed to Jesus, we're at risk of walking away from him. So how do we do this? Well, I have 10 tips for being encouraging that I want to go through. These are not long. They're actually very short, simple, and things that I believe every single one of us can do, okay? And I think it's a lot of fun, actually, to learn these things and then try them out in our lives. So, so promise me that this morning, as we write these things down, and I'm going to share a little challenge at the end, that you're actually going to say, okay, these are the things that I think I can do. Because I believe that Jeff Peters is praying for me, and I know that his prayers are encouraging, right? So believe me when I say that, and we're going to try these things out as a church. So 10 tips for being encouraging. Number one, pray that Jesus would give us an encouraging heart. I think it's got to start there, right? We could try to manufacture this kind of thing in our own strength and just say, well, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm supposed to smile and nod and look at someone in the eyes and, and try to be encouraging. We could do it in our own strength. But wouldn't you rather have God fill your heart with such joy to encourage people that you just can't help it? Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Sometimes we're negative if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes uh, we're prone to complain or become self-centered in this life. That's just part of the struggle. All of these attitudes work against the spirit of encouragement that our brothers and sisters need from us. So this is why we need to pray. To ask Jesus to fill us with words that will build up and spur on the believers around us. So that encouragement will defeat the self-centeredness that sometimes, unfortunately, becomes our natural reaction. So let's pray. Number one is just to pray and seek the Lord's heart on being encouraging. Number two, be observant. I like this one. See God at work in the lives of others and tell those people that you're observing what you see God doing in their lives. It's actually a very straightforward thing to do, but very, very, very useful. So for me, I'm a people watcher. I love, I love being out in public. I like walking to work so I can observe what's going on. It's like in this yard, there was a piano on the sidewalk for three weeks, and now it's not there. Huh, I guess they're moving. I guess they're cleaning up. You just observe. I just notice things like this, right? I love watching people, and if I see something good, I love to just pounce on it like an opportunity to encourage them somehow. Because when I see God moving in someone's life, I want to point it out to them say, hey, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I really see God in this aspect of your life. Pointing that kind of stuff out is so encouraging when someone comes to me and says jeff i see god doing this in you and it's not something that i've really noticed or thought that was being uh, that big of a deal and someone else notices it it's like whoa yeah god is working in my life i love that so for example i may see someone who's uh, a church here who's being a great parent they're disciplining, they're not letting their kids get away with things, they're encouraging their kids, they're bringing them to Sunday school, all these things. I want to talk to those parents, say, guys, wonderful job with your kids. Thank you so much for the way that you're making God a priority. I can see it. The character of your kids obviously is a reflection of the things that you are instituting in their lives. Great job. 
right? I'm just observing something I've seen and I'm just telling them what I've seen, right? You could do this as well for, for someone who's trying something new with Jesus. It's like, oh, hey, I saw you're ushering this week or I saw that you're helping out at the sound booth. Thanks so much for doing that. That is awesome. I love that you want to serve our church in that way. That's all you have to do. It's such an easy thing. And you know what? You can even do it over the long term. If you've been going to this church for decades and you've been walking with people, the same people for a long time, and you're all discovering Christ together, why not say, hey, you know what? We've been at this church for 30 years or 25 years or 10 years or whatever it is. And you've been so steady over that time. Now that I think about it, I'm encouraged because of your consistency in serving God and in being at church to worship him. That does a great thing for me. So keep up the good work, right? That kind of a thing. Learn to observe people. Learn to watch them. It's not creepy. It's fun. I like it. And it's, and it's good for us to be observant and not be so hyper-focused on ourselves, right? And then once you've seen them doing something great for God, point it out. Number three, don't be vague. Be specific. So Jeff Tubner and I have had an awesome conversation about this exact point. I remember still being in Manitoba and we had this great conversation about being encouraging in business and in church and things like that. And I I just thought of our conversation again, Jeff, when I was going over this one. So we could go to someone and we could say, hey, good job. And that's all we could say. And they would have no hot clue what we're talking about, right? (laughs) But, But we think like that's what we're supposed to say or like, Way to go, buddy. You know, like, what do you, thanks? You know, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, when you're vague like that, it's not actually encouraging. It's confusing because I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. That's why we need to be specific, right? There's not a lot of thought that goes into a a three-word comment. But when we start to tell people way to go and why we're saying that, that's where encouragement really starts coming in. So, Sharon, I thought of you this week when I was thinking of this point. So, I'm going to give you two examples, two, two different ways to encourage you, and I want you to tell me which one you would rather hear, okay? Sharon, good job teaching Sunday school. So that's example number one. <laughs> or I could come to you and I could say, Sharon, I really appreciate the preparation that you are taking for your Sunday school class. I hear the kids excited when they go upstairs to be taught by you. I can tell that you're seeking God in praying. And I can tell that you love your kids because they love you. And they wouldn't love you if you didn't love them. And I think the way that you understand the value of teaching kids the truth about Jesus Christ. I think it's beautiful. Okay, didn't plan on getting emotional there. That's good. Yeah. Save that one for afterwards. I, t- I would take it. So Sharon. Second one, yeah. And I mean all those things. I want you to know that. <sighs> Can't see any of the words on my paper. <sighs> oh, God is good. Yeah. All right. Okay, number four. Yeah, there's power, obviously, in in being specific, eh? Number four. Show gratitude for someone who is serving God. In other words, look for ways to thank someone for what they're doing. I I think of the Awana legacy 
that we've had in this church. I think of the midweek program and the way that for, for the better part of two decades, I believe this church has been running a midweek program that, that ministers to the young boys and girls in our community. For you who are Awana volunteers, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Here's an example of how you should be thanking people. Thank you for loving kids the way that Jesus does. Thank you for making time to teach them about Jesus. Thanks for sacrificing your evenings for a whole year or years because you realize how important this is to serve other people. Thanks for seeing the importance of pouring out your lives into the next generation of our church and our community. Because of you, I believe that God is reinforcing the biblical truths that are important to our generation, to a generation that is yet to come. So thank you. Thanks for doing that. It's interesting when we, when we know how to thank people, instead of just saying the word thank you, but actually telling them why we're thankful, what we've done is we've combined the last three things. We've combined being observing of their lives, being specific and thanking them specifically for something, and then using the gratitude piece. When those are used together, it's, it's powerful, and it's, it's a great way to encourage. Number five, take interest and ask questions. Something awesome happened to me this week uh, that really, really encouraged me, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. I was, uh, I was downtown. I was just going for a walk to the mailbox, and I bumped into someone, and uh, they're not from our church. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if they're actually from any church. And we got to talking. We, we stood there, and we talked for about an hour and a half. Fortunately, the weather was beautiful outside, so it was great. And we, we talked about a whole bunch of things, current events, you know, COVID, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But then out of nowhere, this person just asked me, they said, Jeff, have you always wanted to be a pastor? And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe that this person, A, really even cared to talk about that kind of stuff and B, that they would actually have the courage to ask me. And I shared them the story about how I, I got into pastoral ministry and I believe, you know, the providence of God's hand on my life and those kind of things. And then to my surprise, they asked a follow-up question and then another one and another one and another one. And it was like, wow, you actually care about this stuff. And it made me feel just incredibly valued in that moment. See, when we... When we ask people questions and then we want to follow up and ask more about it, not just like, hey, how was your weekend? But then like they, they share a story. We went to visit our, our kids in Fargo. Oh, that's great. You know, so what's, what's it like, you know, having your kids in Fargo? Do you miss them? Do you, are you happy for them? And then they, ask, they answer that question and they say, yeah, you know, sometimes it's hard. And you say, well, you know, I'm not at that stage yet. How do you think I'm going to be able to deal with that? Would you have any, any advice for me? And when you ask those kind of questions, you show that you care about the information that this person has to share with you. Instead of turning the conversation back on ourselves and you say, yeah, you'll never believe what I did this weekend. Well, you know, let's not worry about trying to get our or share our story or make our point or turn it back on us. Valuing someone and encouraging them is continuing to ask them questions, showing interest in their life. How many of you have had someone ask you like three or four questions in a row before? You know, not as many hands as I wish, right? Like, 
I think we're a culture where we, we hear a story, like, you know, you know, guys especially, we go hunting or fishing, it's like, yeah, I did this. Oh, yeah, you'll never believe this. That other time I went and I did this. And it, we, it's this one-upsmanship. What if we just stopped thinking about how we could get a word in and continue to make someone else feel amazingly encouraged by valuing them in this way? I think a little goes a long way in this kind of deal. Number six, offer to pray for someone. Maybe it's a little bit tougher. Maybe it's a little bit more of a a step in faith. But praying for someone is very encouraging. It's extremely encouraging. A story I've shared before, but this um, this one changed the way I thought about what it meant or the value that's added or the encouraging factor in praying for someone. So a friend of mine, when I was pastoring or youth pastoring at uh, at our church in Winnipeg, uh, a friend of mine came kind of to me at the end of the service and they're coming up to the doors where they're going to leave and he looked just exhausted and just beat down. I'm like, ooh, John, you don't look good, man. How are you doing? And he said, ah, you know, and and he just explained to me about um, an event that had happened in his life that week. He's He's a first responder uh, so when a 911 call came into our municipality, he would be a first responder and head out to that thing and kind of help the situation get stabilized before the EMTs could get there. So he, he responds to someone, uh, a 911 call for a man who had stopped breathing. And as a first responder, your job is to administer CPR until the ambulance can get there. The ambulance didn't show up for 45 minutes. And my friend John... He's stuck there doing CPR on this guy who never came around. Can you imagine just how traumatic that would be, right? So John explains this whole thing to me and he says, Jeff, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I close my eyes and all I see is this guy not responding to me. And he's just beside himself. He's so frustrated. And I, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I didn't have any advice to give him. I just said, John, we need to pray. And there was an empty office just to the side. So I said, John, come on in. And we sat down. I put my hand on him and I prayed simply. I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what to pray. I just said, God, just give John peace. Please give him rest. He's tired. Lord, just heal his mind and, and help these images to be taken away so that they would not haunt him anymore. Amen. And John went home and... Uh, he texted me about four o'clock that afternoon. He says, Jeff, I went home, we had lunch and I lay down in bed and I slept for like two and a half hours. I said, wow, that's amazing, John. That is amazing. He says, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, and then the next Sunday he, he tells me, Jeff, there's more to this story. As a matter of fact, I went to bed that night on Sunday and I tried to think of what this guy looked like who I was doing CPR on and I couldn't remember. I couldn't. I tried. And his image was gone. And it's like John told me that no one had ever offered to pray for him and then actually just done it. He'd been in church his whole life. Friends, can you imagine that a church, a person who had been a part of a church, had never received prayer? Not from a pastor, not from a friend, not from a deacon, not from an elder. From nobody. Isn't that the most discouraging thing you've ever heard? Man, we are church built on prayer. We, the, the, the house of God is meant to be a house of prayer. This is our function. This is what we do. And this is the great way to encourage someone. I know it's scary. 
And I know that some of us, we, well, Jeff, I don't pray out loud. You know what? It's not about you. I'm going to say it. It's not about your comfort. It's about what God has commanded us to do and to be there for someone else. I'm not always comfortable doing or saying the things that I feel God is leading me to say up here. But you know what? I'd rather look like an idiot to all of you instead of saying to God, I know that this is what you're asking me to do, but I'm not willing. God's asking you to step out in faith and pray for someone. Number seven, use scripture to encourage someone. This is how we make sure that it's not just a compliment that we're sharing with someone, but it's something that positively points them to Jesus because the whole Bible points us to Jesus, right? So then we speak the words of God into someone else's life. It points them to God. As a matter of fact, you're going to find when you read the Bible that there are many New Testament authors that use the Old Testament to encourage people as they were following Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the people there are being encouraged about the sacrifice that Christ made and how it's complete and full and it saves us from our sins and it's all that we need and we don't need to trust in anything else. And then the writer of Hebrews points them back to something that the prophet Jeremiah said. This is from Hebrews 10, verse 16 to 17. They write, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. See, when we're talking about the sacrifice of Christ, we talk about it to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves. Oh, that's right. I am forgiven. My sins don't define my life. It's Jesus Christ. It's his love. It's his sacrifice. He separated the sins from me. I know it's true. It's here in scripture. And then when I, I can say to, to you, my friends, I could say, Donna, Jesus loves you. Well, big whoop. Jeff says that. But you know what, Donna? Scripture says Jesus loves you, right? Like there's a difference there. I can give them something that's not of me. When I give God to someone else, that's encouraging. Number eight says, number eight is, sorry, encourage regularly and repeatedly. This isn't a one-shot wonder kind of a thing. Encouragement is actually something critically important because studies have shown that it takes five encouraging words or comments to outweigh one discouraging word or comment. How many of you face discouragement from, from neighbors or coworkers or, you know, you're just struggling to raise your kids or whatever it is? How many of you face discouragement? How many of you can think of a discouraging moment from this last week? Yeah, we're all in there. So how many, how many times do we need to be encouraged just to balance out that one discouragement? Five times. Five. That's, that, that's just what washes it out. So then if we actually want to move someone beyond a place of, of neutrality, we have to encourage them more than five times for every one discouragement to get them to move in a positive direction towards Jesus. Man, like that's... That's a tall task. Wouldn't you agree? And, you know, because it's such a tall task, that's why we all need to be in on it. I can't think, okay, I got to encourage Karen Llewellyn six times this week. Otherwise, I don't know if she's going to be a Christian anymore. It's not like that. But if we're all focusing on all encouraging everyone else, then all of a sudden the, light, the, the burden becomes lighter because we're all sharing it together, right? So we encourage frequently and be encouraged frequently and that's how we as a church move forward it's a it's a crazy principle this this uh the ratios of this thing but it's not something that we can overlook number nine 
Ask God who to encourage and how to encourage them. I have several friends that do this for me. They pray. They get a sense of an encouraging word they are meant to share with me. And it often is God directing them to speak into a situation or something going on in my heart that they don't even know about. But God directs their encouragement so it's going to meet my need. One of my former youth leaders, Brianna, is awesome at this. She prays for me. She'll get a sense of an encouraging message that God has put on her heart. And she shares those things with me. She doesn't add to it. She just says, Jeff, I was praying for you, and I just got a sense that God wants you to know. And then she'll lay it out. I'm like, Paul, how did you know that? She said, I didn't. God just told me. I had no idea. What does this even mean? Like, it's wonderful how God gives us direction on how to encourage. So, Brianna, if you're listening, I know you tune in once in a while. But, yeah, I love you and Tegan. I love you guys. Thanks. Thanks for being encouraging in my life. Number 10, final one here. Pray for a culture of encouragement to grow. I'm not saying begin, but to grow here at CFC. I believe that this is an encouraging church. I'm encouraged greatly by a lot of the things that are going on here. But I think if, you, if you're honest with me uh, together, we look back at a list of these 10 things and these ways to encourage, and we would say, oh, there, there's some of these things that we could, we could start to implement a little bit more frequently, or we could try these things out. We're good at these, but man, if we added those, we would be even more robust as, as a church that is known to be encouraging. So I would, I would encourage you to pray that we as a church culture would grow in encouragement. I, I want to show up here and all I can do is speak life and love and encouragement into all of your lives. And I, I want the same. I need the same. In Romans it says that when you meet together, you know, I, I want you to be uh, encouraged by my faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Right? If there's a mutual thing that's supposed to go on here. It's a beautiful thing when that kind of deal happens. So those are, those are ten ways I believe that we can encourage each other. I want to share with you... Um, a little challenge that I have. I have some cards, and I'll, I'll be at the back here after our closing song to pass these out. But there's, um, there's a challenge on one side, or there's a, there's a praying for encouragement on one side of this thing. And I, I just want to invite you to pray with me between now and the end of January. Let's just set a kind of a 21-day target. Let's pray about these prayer points about what it means for our church to be encouraging. They're all reflections of things that we've talked about this morning. But then on the other side of the card is an encouragement challenge, okay? And I want us, I I have some of the tips that we've just gone through. I have them listed on here. And I want us to use the tips that we've gone through this morning to come to church on Sundays, at least on Sundays, if not other times during the week, ready to intentionally encourage someone. I think because we're walking in faith together and we are the family of God together, it is our responsibility together to encourage one another. I'm not going to wait for someone else to learn this thing and run with it. I'm going to start now. I'm going to start today. And I would encourage you and invite you to join me in what we're doing. One encouragement to you, church. I think that God is very pleased with this place. And God's not pleased with a place because, because necessarily of policies or of documentation or things like that. I think God is pleased because he sees in you a heart that is pleasing to him. He sees in you the heart that he is creating in you. And I want to encourage you because this is something that I sense this week that God sees his heart in your heart. 
So don't be discouraged. Don't think like, well, we're just a small church. Or we're just in Kandu. This isn't Grand Forks. This isn't Fargo. This isn't, you know, Dallas, Texas. What can we really do? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, He causes us to move in freedom, to do His will. And I believe that God has built His heart into each and every one of you to do His will. I just want to encourage you to keep seeking Him in that way.